It's common. It's normal in Christian circles to, to talk about faith. We know that people need to trust in Jesus. But oftentimes there can be a great deal of confusion about what faith actually is. About what it looks like to have faith in Jesus. So many people seem to have this idea that faith depends on themselves. Depends on me. I need to have it together or fill in the blank. This morning we're going to consider the faith that Jesus commends in Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. And we're going to learn here about two people, two very different people, who had one thing in common that they came humbly. And they held on to Jesus. It wasn't their status. It wasn't their religious credentials. It wasn't even that they had faith without any sort of fear at all. But it was that they went to Jesus in their desperate need. And they held on to Him alone. Faith holds on to Jesus. He's the one. That counts. I'm going to read Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 28. And we're going to be introduced to these two individuals. And we'll see what, what happens to them, what happens in their stories. And how Jesus enters in to their lives. Verse 21, and when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with her. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. In these verses, we meet two very different people who have little in common except one thing. They went to Jesus in their desperate need. One was a man, the other a woman. One is named, the other goes unnamed throughout the story. One was wealthy, the other had nothing left. 
One was respected, and the other one was rejected. One man was held in honor, one was ashamed. One was a leader in the synagogue. The other one was not allowed anywhere near the synagogue or really any part of society. One had had 12 years of joy with a little child and the other had had a 12-year illness she dealt with day after day. Yet in that moment of need, all those differences didn't matter. Everything about who they were as a person, as an individual, did not matter. All that mattered was that they came to Jesus, that they had faith in the Son of God. And so we see this especially pictured in in their actions. Faith is always demonstrated in actions. And Jairus, in verse 22, and the unnamed woman later in verse 33, fell at the feet of Jesus. They came humbly. They came to the only one who could help them. They didn't come with demands. They came with desperate need. Think of Jairus. His daughter was going to die. He needed help. And the woman, she suffered from a chronic health problem and her perpetual uncleanness because of the flow of blood Under the Mosaic Covenant, the Levitical Covenant, she would have been excluded from society because she was unclean and she could pass that on to someone else. Anything that she touched, someone else touched that bowl or cup or doorpost, they would have to wash and be cleansed. This woman had tried everything, but no one could help her. She had spent all her money, the text tells us, and she had, she had suffered all kinds of treatments from these physicians that she went to for help. But she was worse off than before. It didn't help her in her situation. Some of you have no doubt experienced that feeling. Nothing works. Nothing helps. Your health isn't any better. Your child is not better. You just have no options. There's nothing you can do in your own strength and in your own uh, capacities to, to help this person or this situation. This kind of desperation is the birthplace of faith. 
when we, when we come to the end of ourselves, we see that there is one who can help us. We recognize that we cannot live without the help of our Maker. Since Adam and Eve said no to the way of God and listened to the lie of the serpent, we fail to see that. That we need our, our God. That He's the one who made us. But in their desperation, Jairus and, and this woman came to Christ. They knew they were dependent on Him. That they had nothing to offer here in terms of of what they could do. They had nowhere else to go. They had Jesus. They went to Him. And as we continue, we find out what happens. We'll read first what happens to the woman, and then Jairus and his daughter. The story of the woman picks up in verse 29 to 34. Now, the woman has reached out to touch Jesus. She heard the reports about him. She believed he could make her well. Verse 29 tells us immediately, the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed from her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said, they made joke of it, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? But he looked around to see who had done it. And the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, And fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. What a wonderful reminder of both the power and the compassion of Christ that he would take the time to heal this woman and to talk with her. We see that immediately the woman was healed, but then immediately her faith is put to the test. You see in verse 28, we learn that the woman had come up from behind with the thought of receiving healing and then leaving unnoticed. Remember, she was unclean. She would have seen herself in this way as well. But Jesus has a different plan in mind for that woman. He calls out, who touched my cloak? And the woman comes. He comes even though She is afraid. She's trembling.
We aren't told what fears she had. But we are told that she does not hide from Jesus when He calls. She listens to the Lord. That is another thing that faith does. She could have left with her healing and been happy with it. But she chose to listen to the Lord. And so she receives His blessing. He bestows on her blessing of peace. He says, your faith has made you well. Jesus commends her faith not because she was fearless, but because she came to him with her fears. She trusted in him. It was him that counted. And she was blessed for trusting him. As Jesus was speaking with the woman, we find in verse 35 that there came from the ruler's house, Jairus' house, some people who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. Talk about losing hope. Hearing the words, your daughter is dead. He had come with great faith. He said that you can heal her. Just come and touch her. She'll be healed. Jesus steps in here with a remarkable statement. Many of us need to hear. Don't fear, he says. Only believe or keep on believing. In effect, Jesus says, hold on to me. Trust in me. Now we're not told Jairus' response here. But we shall soon see the words of Jesus won the day. Picking up the story in verse 38. So they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion. People wailing and weeping loudly. And When he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, the three disciples, and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years old. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. 
Now, as Jesus enters the scene, we find a group of mourners. It was common in those days for professional mourners to be hired to wail and to weep and for people to come to express their grief loudly and openly because they acknowledged that death was a terrible thing. But into this commotion comes Jesus. And he makes an amazing statement. He says, the child is not dead, but sleeping. He knew she was dead in terms of every way that we would describe it. Everyone knew it. The people weren't stupid, but they thought he was. And they, the mockers, were the fools. For here was the Lord, whom we have been reminded as we're going through this Gospel of Mark, he has raised or not raise the dead. He's calmed the storm. He will raise the dead. He saved madmen. And he will break the chains of death with a word. You see, death is as temporary as a night's rest when Jesus wills it. it has no power over him. And so the story ends with Jesus raising up this little girl in great tenderness in the privacy of her room with mom and dad and these three disciples there to witness, to verify the truth of this account. The account ends with both Jesus' compassion and His command. His compassion in that He takes the time to be sure the girl is given something to eat. Jesus, all throughout this text, has shown great consideration for the people. He goes right away with Jairus. He takes the time to stop the woman and to talk with her to reassure her and encourage her. And he takes thought to the little girl. We need to see the compassion of Christ. That's why he does what he does. If he didn't care, he would have perhaps joined in with the mourners, wailed a little bit, left, but he shows his compassion in that he heals, he cares about these people. He also gives a command to the parents. He says, don't tell anyone. Again, 
as it has been the case throughout Mark's gospel, he says it to the person that's been healed. Don't, don't tell people. It, it was not yet time for him to be proclaimed as Lord. It was not yet time for him to be proclaimed as Lord, even over death itself. The amazing thing about all of this is that this wonderful miracle of power and of grace and of compassion is only a foretaste. It's not the ultimate hope. See, in a few short months, the disciples will be proclaiming Christ. The first fruits from the dead raised incorruptible. As we read this story in light of the whole story of Christ, it points us to His resurrection and the hope that we have in Him. It's fitting for us to consider a week after Easter to be reminded yet again the power of Christ and the hope that all who trust in Him have. This is a hope that can take us through great troubles. Of course, it's one thing to point out Examples of humble faith in Jesus. It's one thing to celebrate the grace of Jesus. It's one thing to talk about His resurrection and the hope that we have. But there are many hindrances to faith. And it can be very hard for us to look at and to read a story like this and to think these sorts of things are possible in our lives that God would really have the care that He does for that little girl, or that He would have the power to do what He did for that woman. In our pride, we cling to all sorts of things. Maybe we're reluctant to go to God because we don't want His help may be the case for some. Perhaps it's because we do not feel that we're worthy, that we haven't done enough. I'm not the sort of person that deserves the love of God. It may be that you worry you'll be rejected. Remember that it is, is Jesus that counts. Not your position in life. Not the state of your life today. But it's Him. We can come to Him in every need, big or small. 
there's anything that this story reveals to us, it is the kindness and the power of Jesus. You can go to Him, whoever you are. Maybe you wonder, what if Jesus says no? What if that's His answer? Many prayers are prayed by people who trusted Jesus. And many times, Jesus gives wonderful foretaste of eternal blessing and hope. This is what He loves to do. That's what we see here in Mark's Gospel. So we should ask in faith. Don't let the possibility of no keep you from calling out in your need to the Savior. And yet there are other times the answer may be no. For now we live in the tension of the evil and suffering in this world. And the promise of renewal and peace. But until then, faith holds on to Jesus. Nothing else will do. Reminded of Daniel's three friends when they were facing the furnace. They said, our God can save us. They said, but if he doesn't, we're not going to bow to another God. We still serve God. We still love our God. So a daddy might still hear the words, your little girl is dead. And people suffer chronic health problems every day and words fail to express the pain of that we know that this isn't the way that things were when God created the heavens and the earth but in our desperate need let us never forget there is a Savior who can help us there is a Savior who rose again and you can trust Him. Faith holds on to Jesus no matter what, knowing that He is able and that He is compassionate. So what hinders you and I from receiving the truth of who Jesus is? 
Are there areas in your life where you feel it depends on you? Not on the power of Christ. It's good for us to think of these things. And to come to Jesus with them. Because he can help us. Faith holds on to Jesus.